Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. D-Mendy here, joined by Lil Cheesecake, Marty Party, Doc, and our special guest who we'll get to in just a second. Doc, you uh, just did an underdog draft yet again. You told me it was the best team that you guys have drafted in the first three weeks. Pete Alonzo fell to you in like the sixth round, something like that. It felt like the squad was good. So tell me, tell me a little bit about it. Tell me about how you guys were able to get such a, a dynamite team. You know, we had the second pick. And uh, we had Acuna. We we had a lot of. We're doubling down on a lot. We have we have Brewers starting pitchers with Burns and Woodruff. Mm-hmm. We have three Blue Jays with Vlad, Bichette, George Springer. Uh, we have of course Lance Lynn, and uh, some guys we haven't taken. We haven't taken Eloy before. Um, I think it's free money, personally. Ah, I like it. Uh, anything free money, I'm in. Marty Party here tonight, usually with his hat in the front, but it's now it's turning it backside because party in the back time for Marty Party here. How's it going, man? It's going very well. Yeah, this is uh you know me celebrating spring training with a little bit of a little bit of funk. Had to turn the hat around. <laughs> That's right. And our glitchy third member here, a little cheesecake. <laughs> How's it going? Um, can you hear me? Am I am I am I reading <laughs> ready? Can you hear me? It's going well, man. It's yeah. going great. Excited to talk about pitching. Yeah, I'm too. And you guys know, avid listeners of the show, there are a few people on the Mount Rushmore of pitching, and we got the George Washington on the show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome in a man that is the cherrybomb.com. This man is the opposite of a bag of Skittles because you know exactly what you're going to get with him, and that's pitching with a capital P. This man is here to prevent all types of professor-type chaos to your fantasy team's and do it with a smile, a laugh, and a suggestion to throw the curveball more glove side. The founder of Pitcherless and the newly minted FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year, the man who writes the list, is on our list of amazing guests. Put your hands together for the one and only Nick Pollock. How's it going, man? What is happening? Wow, that was unbelievable. There's no way I'm George Washington. No way I'm even close to that. I mean, like, first of all, that's Eno Saris if it's anybody, just so we're clear, because that's like the first, the one that really got us all into it. <laughs> you that's, guys are all right in to... my eyes. Okay. All right. It's an honor to be here, guys. This is so much fun talking to y'all. Uh, I wanted I to add, by the way, because David yeah. didn't even put this in, a member <laughs> of Sandy Crush, a gal and gal. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm wearing my end ALS shirt today. Otherwise, you know, I was thinking about putting on the live every day like it's NOLA day as well. I had my tie owned shirt yesterday. Uh, there's so many fun ones. I mean, I, I can't wait to add more. I had Tyler to McGill. I went to my bagel store and wore that one. Mm. They love that one. So I got a free bagel. If I, if I have ideas for this, Nick, can I just shoot it to you? Because I feel Always. like. I'm... OK, <laughs> absolutely. And I then I'll say maybe sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, we have to first touch on you winning baseball writer of the year. Congratulations. You know, what were you doing when you found out the news? I mean, I was at my computer listening <laughs> to it, of course. Uh, no, it was, um, I couldn't believe it. I still can't. 
Uh, it's a product of so many people that let me do what I do. I mean, I'm just I'm writing one position in one sport. You guys are called triple play because you do so many different things and the amount of skill you do that boggles my mind. And I'm, I'm just focused on pitching because that's all I want to do. And I'm so lucky that I get to. Uh, and so many people that, uh, you know, I'm inspired by inside the industry and all. And I'm just incredibly fortunate and lucky. So and humbled by it, really. It's, it's, well, you give back. You give back. I mean, you do PitchCon and you're always just very open and welcoming to new members of the community. And that's that's why you're one of the best. And that's why we're always pumped to have you on the show. And your energy is infectious and it just creates a whole awesome atmosphere. And uh, we're really pumped to have you for the starting pitcher preview tonight uh, to kick oh, things man. off. Because who, who doesn't love, love talking pitching, right? Base, I really thought it was going to be first base tonight. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess this is what we're going to do. You know, I was actually, now that you say something, I was no lie one time going to tell you to come on the show and then just throw that at you, that it was going to be like a, a hitting preview. <laughs> Let's go. I'll handle it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I do play fantasy baseball. It's not like I only draft starting pitching and go, oh, I don't know what to do here. Who's a... <laughs> you know, that's not, not my world. So, uh, but, you know, I, I'm much, much rather talk about starting pitching. So thank you for being courteous and bring me on to this specific show. We love it, man. We love having you. And again, kicking things off. The fireworks are going off with our starting pitcher preview part one, talking the first 45 starting pitchers going on FBC right now. And we're going to be doing like you guys know, every single week, we're going through our favorites and our fades in each of the selected ranges. But before we kind of get to the ranges and the players, just Let's paint a picture of what we saw last year to going into this year. So last year, the league-wide ERA was 397, and that was the first time it was under four since 2015. And also the league-wide whip was 127, the lowest since 1972. And this with a five-year low in strikeout rate. The home run rate was the lowest it's been since 2015. Obviously, it looks like the juice ball is gone. Now, going into this year, there's new rules, there's shift restrictions, limited pickoff attempts, larger bases. Now, it looks like MLB wants to promote the organic offense, more hits, more steals, and it's going to be crazy this season, Nick. So, I'm just before we get into the actual players, I'm curious, do you kind of just have a gut feeling of what the offensive environment is going to be like this season? I don't really do that <laughs> stuff. Uh, I let smarter people make those decisions <laughs> for me. Uh, when I generally do my analysis, I think it'd be really hard uh, to take everything that we already do and then throw it away to lean somewhere else based on our guess of how the offensive environment is going to change. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I felt with like the dead and ball and the juice ball and a lot of these other factors. And it's it's just so difficult to put the exact weight. You could say it could be pie breakers in certain scenarios. Fine. But really, when it comes to the offensive environment, if there's one instinct that I have, um, I mean, it's twofold. It's one that I, well, it's interesting, like ground ball pitchers get hurt more. But if it's a less deadened ball, then fly ball pitchers get hurt more. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of knock all that stuff away. And then that's just evened out. But if it is a larger and offensive environment, then it should reward the strikeout more than ever. So uh, it is something to consider with someone like Sandy Alcantara, as much as I hate to say that. I still mm -hmm. have him as my SP3, just because I think the volume and what he does, there's another gear to unlock, too. And I don't think that he's just a 24% K-rate guy, and that's that. Like, No, he can be a 27-28. He can do exactly what Wheeler has done. 
Um, but it does mean that those that are legitimately 30 plus percent strikeout arms are going to be more um, immune to the changes that we see this year. Yeah, I think it's definitely you have to note the changes and what they do. They could do to affect some of these pitchers, even if it's not only slightly like you talked about with Sandy Alcantara and, and still having him at SP3, but expecting that regression. And uh, one of those pitchers that we might have to paint the picture is without Tyler Glass now. <laughs> so, uh, as uh, um, as Colson points and, out, and one there. thing I will say, I'm so sorry, Batflip Crazy. As much as you want to protect Toby's, but Toby's are worse than ever now because they yeah. generally don't have higher than a 20% strikeout rate, which means they need to rely more on the batted ball. And MLB has made the batted ball uh, better for hitters than ever. So will there be right, eventually buddy. degrees of Toby's? Will there be like a, a Toby Toby? <laughs> I actually like a- had another name for for a secondary one. Uh, it was called a panda. And okay. that's because they are uh, waiver wire fodder or WWF. And that was oh. the Worldwide Feder- uh, World Wildlife Federation, um, which is uh, has a panda as the symbol. Also, I always kind of thought that like Pablo Sandoval looked like a wrestler. So, Panda. <laughs> Your brain works in ways that my brain. That, this never, was like years I, ago and did not catch on. <laughs> I just like, all right, it's fine. But those are the ones that like are not Toby's, but you look on the wire and like they could be. Yeah. Like right there and they're not. They're just waiver wire fodder. So, is, is that what actually going to be coming to use this I'm year? Not or is that use still... that again? No. No. <laughs> no. That one is. I feel. I look at that in my uh, on my dresser table and I put it down. <laughs> you took it out back. Yeah. Well, just thought, okay, not that's a little too much. Like, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a thing in a. It's late night here, frame. Nick. We get it's dark. In a frame, okay. Get it's dark. a picture yeah. frame. Just pushed down. Jeez. Uh, you're right. That's the G-rated version. Uh, <laughs> Why you guys get, all like, the, all the same getting thing. shot here? Like. Oh. <laughs> You said it, not me. I just said take it out back. Did they what, what do you think that means? <laughs> I think what that's what it means. Out the trash? No. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. You, you never Wait, know what people are David, did they at least blindfold it before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. And then it's Poor panda. Off the rails. Yeah. Is it a panda? Oh, I mean, Pandas are already in danger, David. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> oh, I wish I had thought of that art. Oh, man. Now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So Nick, let's kick things off. Let's talk about in the one to fifteen range. I'm going to take a guess. No, so Nick, you need to be honest with our audience. Did we talk before the show who you were going to pick? No, of course not. I'm going to guess I'm that serious, your favorite yeah. in this range is Carlos Rodon. I mean, you're guessing because he's four on my list. Yes, but I mean, there's 15 <laughs> guys you could pick from. This is true. I mean, <laughs> so wait, okay, are you including closers here? No, I'm sorry, just starting pitchers. Okay, so I'm trying. I'm trying to do the whole mental math of like how many I need to get rid of. So Hater, get him out of here. Class A and Edwin Diaz. So yeah, I mean my favorite here is Carlos Rodon. Uh, I think Carlos Rodon is phenomenal. I'm sorry, your boy Dylan Cease is inside this top 15, and absolutely not. I uh, ouch. And I'm sorry, I turned him down in TGFBI. I was actually thinking of doing it at the end of the fourth round, and he was the best starter available, and I still just couldn't do it. Oh man, uh, poor boy yeah. Dylan. Is he though? Is he that? I don't know. Um, I feel like poor own, uh, managers who actually have Dylan Cease this year and have to get him inside the top 50 <laughs> picks. Um, but Carlos Rodon is pitching for the Yankees. That's a good thing. People think, oh no, it's a bad thing because it's a it's a hitter's park. It's not as much of a hitter's park as you think. Sure, down the lines and everything, but center and all, not at all favorable for hitters. 
Uh, you have a winning ball club. You actually had a, a, a an above average defense too last season. I don't think that's going to change much this year. And you have Rodon who just did 180 innings. All the concerns about his health and all of that. No, we're good. Um, what he does with his foundation of four seamers and sliders is elite. And I think he kind of does what Spencer Strider and Christian Javier want to do over 180 innings. And he just did it for 180 innings on a winning ball club. So I'm a huge fan of Carlos Rodon. Um, I think he's one of the best picks you can make at starting pitcher. I mean, looking at the pitcher list player pages and you just look at his profile. First of all, there's so much red there. Bundle that up in a bouquet of roses with all that red. Uh, <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Uh, but you've seen just him do it over the last few seasons ever. And, and I'll always remember this because I was big on the Dylan Cease breakout as well as a few others were. But I didn't hear anybody really talk up Carlos Rodon. But Carlos Rodon was as good, if not better, when he broke out just a few seasons ago. And he sustained that over the last few years. The only questions have been injury related. And now you get a team, right. like you said, with the Yankees that – you know, you expect the the winds to be there. The ballpark isn't as bad as you would think for him. Uh, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was before I, I listened to you. And then I know Derek Cardi, I think, has him as his SP2. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, something like oh, that. Oh, that makes me so happy. Oh, yeah. man. I'm going to see Derek uh, over the weekend. And I'm just going to be like, hey, man, SP2, Carlos Rodon. All right, <laughs> cool. You know? Yeah, like you guys both being in on him and just looking into his numbers a little bit more. It's it's He's definitely, so I can see the excitement for him. And he definitely wasn't someone I was looking at in the top five or anything close to that. But now I've kind of started bumping him up slightly. And it just looks like, the only thing that could hold him back is injury, but he's shown that he's kind of been over that over the last few seasons. Yeah, I talked I to Steven Lyman about that with the shoulder stuff, and he said, look, like he just did a full season with it. It's clearly not an issue. Well, that's Marty's fate, coincidentally, Sorry, Marty. yeah. for this race. No, so, Marty, go ahead. Well, the last time that Carlos Rodon pitched at least 160 innings, it took him five more years to ever pitch that many again. So coming <laughs> off a career high 178 innings coming into this year, I am a little bit worried for him to be my SP1. The strikeout upside is obviously incredible. Um, I mean, the long ball still, there's still a lot of long balls given up Yankee Stadium. So, and this is the last thing. This is the X factor, Nick, that you can't even put on. Because can Rodon handle the New York Heat of day in day out? Actually. What happens if he no, has no, three? He can actually. There are good quotes from Carlos Rodon talking about like how he loved that the fans booed him, but booed not him, but the but the Yankee players. Like he has so much respect for for New York and loves that aspect. What about four or five? Um, what about three, four, five bad games in a row? You think that's gonna? You think he's just still gonna, he's be like, gonna be like? I, like, I right. like this. I respect yeah. this. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't be worried about this in the slightest. Yeah, no, Rodon's got this. Yeah, no, I, it's very interesting. Uh, again, he's not a fade for me. I'm, I'm very much interested. I think the health and the mental part seems like the biggest argument from Marty there, but no questioning the actual talent and the stuff when he's healthy. Yeah, it's less him and just the guys around him. I'm just more comfortable, you know. I mean, especially if he's you're taking him as your fourth pitcher. Like, I'd rather have um, Aaron Nola. You know, I'd rather Ooh, have Brandon Woodruff. I, oh, man, you want to talk about uh, something you can depend on. I Trust me, I love Aaron Nola, but we have seen how he can go in and out, and it's very much based on that command of the fastball. Uh, that is a problem with the long ball, too, there. The skills of Rodon are much more um, apparent, I think, of what he does and what results that dictates. Um, if you want to talk about health, uh, also, I mean, yeah, you have, like, 
uh, there's so many inside of the top 10 that are mm-hmm. health and you just had a guy did 180 innings uh and it was more of a fatigue thing in 2021 that he didn't encounter last year so i'm more willing to bet on the health of rodon there yeah. do we uh, can I, have, I have a question just in case anyone does anyone know if the giants did anything special with rodon to keep him healthy throughout the season that I'm not sure Nothing of. that I'm aware of. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I, I don't know the Giants have a great staff, great medical staff. So I wasn't sure. Like, I know the Yankees have had like a history of, of a bad reputation as a medical staff. But uh, well, And the Giants have the most most coaches per player. I mean, they really is invest. That right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying this is a reason to knock him. I just, I'm just wondering if the Giants, if anyone had heard anything about whether the Giants did anything special. Yeah. Uh, Doc, I want to go to you next because just like in PE class, you took the most athletic best kid at dodgeball and picked Corbin Burns. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't think we were all just going to take the, the best pitcher off the board and say he's our favorite, but go ahead. I mean, you could. And I think people have said that, that the number one player, their position, they don't like. I love the ADP that you're getting him at right now, 16 in the last two weeks. You don't have to spend a first round pick on him. And when you think about pitching last year, Garrett Cole and Burns were going in the top 10 in a lot of drafts. So it's more about where you're getting him this year, if you can get him as your second round pick. But pitching still carries the same premium in league. Scoring hasn't changed. And um, I look, he's only 28. He threw uh, 515.2 career innings pitched, which is less than DeGrom threw in a three-year span. So just to kind of put the less wear and tear he has, but – 202 of that came last season. So, you know, he has volume. Elite home runs per nine last year was 0.38. The year before that was 0.30. Has five different pitches he throws, and the highest had a 250 uh, batting average against, which was his sinker. And I think he's just motivated to losing an arbitration. I think there's two outcomes. One, he pitches very well and has an Aaron Judge type year pitching, um, and not necessarily where he breaks records but that he's at the top of his position and is in line for a big payday or the Brewers decide they don't want to pay him and they deal him to a contender where it's more favorable. Now, I know we all uh, really interesting about Corbin Burns. Sorry to interrupt you there, David. Uh, He is second percentile in the majors in zone rate. If you can believe that. And it's shocking for a guy that has a 6% walk rate to have a sub 40% zone rate across all of his pitches. And it makes no sense. It drives um, our uh, director of research analytics, Kyle Bland, crazy. Like, how does Corbin Burns do this? PLV doesn't like him because of that, because he's not throwing enough strikes. And it's just more on like on the decision making of the hitters to be better, essentially to not swing as much. It does make me like the slightest nervous about Corbin Burns that yeah, he's someone's going to just be like, all right, we're just not going to swing. So you throw sub 40% zone rates and I should just not swing at all in at bats. And what do you know? You walk us, right? Uh, it's just something to at least monitor with Burns. He gets Dude. away with it clearly. Uh, it's just a very interesting fact about him. Do is there like a, a, a stat in terms of and maybe it doesn't exist or maybe it does. And I'm is there a, a stat that shows the amount of time that a pitch looks like it's staying in the zone before it drops off? I actually, you know, when we're developing PLV, this is one of the questions I asked, like, can we measure that for deceptiveness, essentially? Yeah. We found it didn't really do much. Uh, oh, it didn't? Because, because, like, 
you know, even though if it's a slider that is technically a strike along the way, you know, it's not going to just stop what it's doing in its trajectory. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, it's going to end out of it, you know. So I uh, so I, I think that's why it didn't really have much of an effect. Because that's the only thing I could have thought of is like maybe his looks like their strikes longer than average. And even though right. hitters probably see that 40% yeah. zone rate. Late break is like... something. Late break is what we do have inside of PLV. But yeah. I guess so. I, I don't know. It's weird. Corn praise. It's just, it's like, I'm just so glad I don't take picture, pictures early because I don't have to <laughs> deal with the corn burn stuff. Like I have him as number one, but I'm like, maybe I should have Garrett Cole number one. I don't know. Well, it's, it. we, it's Corbin Burns. I have his list yeah. up uh, that I'll, I'll reference Aww. throughout too. Um, but Corbin it's getting Burns, updated next week slightly. But I was gonna say, yeah, it's uh, it was from I think early February, February seventh, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I will say the thing that does worry me a little bit because you brought that up is yeah. um, William Contreras is going to be the new catcher this year, and last year mm-hmm. he was in the twentieth percentile of framing. Compared to sure. Omar Narvaez, who was in the 89th percentile. And I think when you see, I mean, because that's sometimes how it is. You know, if, if somebody is better at framing strikes, it kind of expands right. the zone a little bit with non-robo umps. So. Well, the good news is that just 60th percentile and called strike rate for Corbin Burns. It was all in the whiffs, 96th percentile. So ah, there you go. Bolstering my argument. That. Thanks, Nick. I, I'm an honest man. <laughs> it's not about arguments it's about discussion right that's right that's well, Nick, right i want to ask before we move on what sure. where are you looking to first get your starting pitcher like what round uh, it depends are you on the league um right generally i i call them the aces of dubs uh, i used to include it used to be 25 of them but then glasnow was hurt and so was musgrove so now we're down to 23 but i generally want to have uh, the point where i'm like okay cool at least i got one of these if not two um so that means like the sixth seventh round of 12 teamers or so um, I went and got my first starter in the fifth round of TGFBI, but that's because I was in the first spot. Mm-hmm. I no, I guess the sixth and seventh rounds, um, because I just I couldn't take Dylan C's. I couldn't do it. Oh, you're just uh, twisting the knife now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there was also Freed. There was also Gosman. There were also others. Yeah. Um, but I, and maybe that will come back to burn me. But it's just I felt like you know me. What's my skill set? I need to get more hitters. Come I'll back to burn you later. Mean, right there, it is. Yeah. Oh man. What a wonderful thing this is. It is. Uh, so <laughs> Gino says, I can't draft a pitcher until at least round three. So much variation from year to year. Shane Maddox Bieber is my first pitcher if he's there in round well, three. That's where he no, likes to go. No, 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 no. Gino, Nick, Maddox, that is not approved. Maddox, this is not Maddox. <laughs> Bieber is not Maddox. There you go. That's not how you spell Maddox. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, we man. got Nick, uh, Nick ready uh, to go. <laughs> Tell him what's up. Teach history lesson, Nick. But no, it's more of uh, Bieber is all about whiffs with secondaries. And Maddox is about not getting strikeouts, but then surprising with two seamers coming back over the plate and making a ground bat out to the pitcher. Like that was his whole shtick. Um, uh, maybe he did spell Maddox. Is he? No, it's with a U. No, it's a U, yeah. Yeah, it's all with a no. Yes, it's with a U. So I'm well, like I've done, I've seen the name. I'm gonna nothing. double. I'll double check while we're going here. Uh, it's, it's definitely you. Let's yeah. stay with the Brewers for a second, Marty. Let's talk about Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, I'm going off on the limb and, Brand- and saying Brandon Woodruff's good. So I know this is crazy, Nick. I'm sure you can't even handle that analysis there. But um, yeah, ADP uh, 30 uh, 39th 
Um, I love that analysis. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. ATC projections have him for 173 innings, 3.31 ERA, a 1.08 whip, and 200 strikeouts. I mean, his stuff is excellent. He has really good demand. He's he's pretty durable. His top 10 in K minus walk percentage. Um, I like I like the team. You know, I think there's a good amount of wins there, even if the Brewers still will not invest in their offense. For the love of God, just do it once. You're gonna do well. But um, yeah, I, I really like where Woodruff's at. He's my fifth pitcher. He's going around the eighth pitcher off the board. So I like it. I dig he's, it. He's a very safe pitcher, I feel like. Whenever you draft Brandon Woodruff, you're not too worried. Obviously, the beginning of last year was not great. But I, I think I read that he was going through some injury problems. Oh, uh, Drano's disease. Oh, yeah. I actually have that in my pinky toe. So It's uh, where you lose the, the feeling in your fingers, right? It, well, like the blood circulation isn't good. So all of a sudden, it gets super cold and just like it's super... Uh, like numb essentially. Um, yeah, you don't get the feeling in your fingers. Is what happened for his hand? I'm you need to get him out of Milwaukee. Get him in, you know, Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> I think surprisingly, it might still happen there. Uh, Martin, I know it just it just kind of hits you at one point. It's like, nah, not today. You know, the blood vessels like I don't I don't want to look at that guy. I'm like, okay, you don't have to. It's fine. Yeah, Brandon Woodruff is definitely a solid pitcher in this range. LC. Your pick, I don't remember if I saw your who you picked in this range. You uh, Oh, you like Zach Wheeler, the very tail end here. And I've seen some people mixed oh, yeah. on Zach Wheeler this nah, year. Man. Uh, Nick it. is in, LC. I guess that you are as well. He was so good. I mean, you look at he, – he put together last season. He, his innings were down, but little injuries. I think his innings could go back up above 180 again, no mm-hmm. problem. Uh, his whip was about 1.02 on the season. His ERA was under three again. His strikeouts were over one per inning again. He's so consistent. He's so good. He's not even, he's going to be 33 years old. He's not that old. So, uh, so I, I really like him. He's the last, and I mean, you know, it's hard to go wrong with the top 15 pitchers. You're kind of like picking nits with any of them. Mm-hmm. So, so if you go with the last one, then you know, maybe you got the best bargain out of all of them, but I, I like Wheeler. Otherwise I was taking him much earlier last year. And I think that he's going to be great. Did you, did you just say picking nits? Yes. Because essentially me at the end of the draft is nicking pits. I, <laughs> uh, that, that's the way that I roll with this, but no, Zach Wheeler, it was a forum injury and that limited his innings last year. And we thought we were past it, but then we had the lower velocity in game two of last season of the world series. And that gave us a little bit of hesitation. So I, uh, that is why you see the lower draft stock, but I watched mm-hmm. them yesterday. He looked just that's Zach Wheeler, man. And, it's and what so, was it, what was it last year? It was the, was it his, I remember you talking about how much you were in love with the pitch. Was it his sinker or was it, oh, it was some sinker sinker. And you know, uh, I'm very, very good friends with Ellen Adair, and it's so wonderful hanging out with her. And she'll be the one to quote the 52% O swing of Zach Wheeler's sinker, and it's the most glorious thing ever. That's it's, what I remember. Over half of the time, Zach Wheeler throws a sinker, he gets a swing out of the zone. It's just, it's just <laughs> oh, it's so wonderful. That's and cool. apparently, uh, Gino says he's also is he throwing a slurve too? That- right. So I actually was watching it. And I was like, wait a second. He's got like a cutter and he's got a different slider and everything working. And then later on, it came out that he said he has a slurve now. I wouldn't put much stock into this. This happens a lot in spring where they're just experimenting with stuff. You don't really get to do it in season. You don't want to mess up with things that are working. So mm-hmm. it's the spring. You get an opportunity to kind of throw some things in there. If it's really good, then you. Uh, then you maybe add a little bit more. 
doesn't matter to me. It's just one of those things that once again, Fast and I will send each other the Bart Simpson image of I will not get by into a pitcher adding a new pitch <laughs> um, on it, the blackboard. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much new pitch drive line. You see, those are yeah. like buzzwords. Drive line is the new best shape of his life, right? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't that get sucked into that stuff all the time, especially like you have to see the results to consistently, I think, from the uh, to be able to think if it's actually going to be a thing. Uh, real quick, I'll go mine. Spencer Strider. I put him as my SP four, uh, right. I think back wow. in December. Wow. And I think at the NFBC during that time, he was SP nine. Now he has risen up to SP four oh, uh, on the NFBC. So I felt like I was ahead of the curve on that. But again, well, he's a very high risk, high reward type of guy. The fastest. Yeah. Pitcher. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do that as the, as like that early in your draft, take such a risk? I've been taking him a lot. I was earlier taking him a lot at the two, three turn. Like I had, I've had a lot of early picks this year in my drafts uh-huh. and I just take him like usually in that second, third round range. And I get him as my SP one. And it's definitely a very risky strategy. I mean, the fastest pitcher in major league history to reach 200 strikeouts in a single season and 130 innings, a 38.3% strikeout rate, which was five percentage oh, points yeah. higher. It was than, lovely. Yeah. And, um, I mean, just obviously two pitch pitcher. We that's the the big thing on him, the big knock on him. But his his four seam fastball had 120 strikeouts last year. He used it, uh, rode the top of the zone, averaged 98 miles per hour with that pitch, and his slider had a 52.2 percent whiff rate, which was the second highest of any pitch in baseball. A minimum of 300 swings. Like he has the stuff, and I don't know if he'll he'll experiment with a third pitch this year. If he'll just stick with those two. Uh, I just I think the big thing people have been questioning is, hey, 130 innings, rookie season. What can we expect from him this year? Is he or hitters going to pick up on him? Is he is the innings workload going to be too much? Those are like the two big questions. But I feel like he's that type of guy that I what I saw last year. I'm ready to take the gamble. Mm. I mean, it, it was so fun. It was so electric and incredible. And I I, I want it to work out. I want it to be great. I, the way I see it is, I mean, you know, the phrase, you can't win a draft, but you can lose one. Yeah. And a pick like Strider is putting yourself in a bigger spot to lose it than a safer pick. And considering how I am with pitching where it's like, well, there's always somebody Mm -hmm. like a lot of guys you can find that are also really exciting. I would much rather have the security and the foundation of a sturdy arm early on instead of strider if i'm going to spend that kind of draft pick on that i mean that's just me though Mm -hmm. i I, i'm jealous (laughs) you know like i want to have strider on my teams that's just that puts the fun in fantasy which is totally in there i spell (laughs) f-a-u-n fantasy um fantasy (laughs) um but yeah i i get it i'm just amazed that it's gone this high because i mean they're always so there's so many really good pitchers he There's was going, so I remember when we did the, the draft at first pitch Arizona and I got him, I'm pretty sure I had him in that draft. I think it was like the fifth round, fourth or fifth round in that draft. Wow. And now, yeah, he, he went in the middle of the second round of my TGFBI. Like I, he didn't even fall to me at the first pick on the, like the, the, on the turn. So like, it's pretty crazy how high he's been pushed up. Now you have to spend a second round pick on him to get him at this rate. Uh, and that's, that's where it's starting to become interesting, but at the same time, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns, Spencer Strider. Are those the three biggest locks for 200-plus strikeouts at this point? Yeah. I, I mean, 
to me, it's like Aaron Nola, Garrett Cole, Corbin Burns. Uh, to me, okay. Um, I, I would put it that way. I mean, I understand what you're saying about Strider, but that's also assuming that he has a 38% strikeout rate over the volume he's going to get next year, which I'm not saying it won't be, but he had a smaller window to do that, right? Uh, a fewer innings. Um, yeah, I mean, he's up there, obviously, for it. So I totally get it. Dylan Cease can throw in there. Robbie Ray can throw in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you can throw, I, I don't know if Woodruff, maybe Alcantara, just because of the volume. But then again, he just got over 200 and he was at 228. I'm assuming strike every gets better, but it could not. So, yeah, he's certainly in the conversation, but it's not, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a harder one. He's polarizing. He's very polarizing. Yeah, yeah I, don't, uh, I don't think polarizing pitchers early or players <laughs> early, really. Well, let's take a look in the same range and let's talk about pitchers that we're fading. I know a few of us are going to be on this same guy. It's it's the uh, the bingo card, the little free square in there. Doc, I know me and yourself, we're both out on Jacob DeGrom this year in general. I'll let you kind of go ahead and just kind of tee it off there and I'll, I'll add anything, but... Uh, is anybody else out on Jacob DeGrom this year, or is it just us two? You're out as well, Marty. Uh, Nick's out. <laughs> we might as well just make that our entire pick yeah. here. It's, again, the same exact thing. It's just too much risk. Mm-hmm. It just can't. The best. What, I, what I think is interesting is you look at the different um, projections. Steamer has him going 172, ATC 145, Zips 107, or 100.7. Like That is such a wide range of innings thrown. Yeah, I mean, he's made, I think, 26 starts over the last two years. And I know the oblique or the little uh, twinge he had in spring, uh, just when he was starting to throw early was they blamed it on the cold. But at the end of the day, he's 34 years old and he throws 100 plus miles an hour. And it's not like he's a Max Scherzer or uh, Justin Verlander where we've seen him do it consecutively year after year over the last we few did. years. Well, not the last few. Yeah, I'm playing the last few years. Yeah, and if yeah. he's getting older, the chances he probably will still do it are are less and less at this rate. I we don't have to spend too much time on this. We're all fading Jacob Degrom. I have him as my SP nine. I think Nick, you have him as your SP nine as well. Yeah, I might have him lower just because I find myself just I can't do it. And yeah, I'm gonna push him back. I'm gonna be pushing him and Max Scherzer down. I think. Yeah, so. he's he's very risky. So let's get to some more interesting players that we're gonna touch on in a second. Nick Lodolo, we mentioned in this episode, Vinny, I can guarantee you that. Luis Castillo, Noah Syndergaard, probably on another episode, but we'll talk about Castillo. Uh, But let's, Nick, let's go to you here for the exciting range, the 16 through 30. This is where you can start getting some of the guys that I know you're waiting to get. So who do you like here? I mean, there's so many. Um, (laughs) Well, this is, I mean, this is what I do. This is generally where I target stuff. I... I'm just I'm going to shoot from the hip in the sense of like I'm there. This is where they all of them are. I don't really know exactly what the ADP is. Uh, as you mentioned, Luis Castillo is a fun one that I have him at like SP 10, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in this range. I'm a big fan of Christian Javier. I see that everyone else all of a sudden now is so fine. <laughs> OK, then I um, go back to back. Yeah, I right. Jordan Romano's in between. Right, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself getting my SP one in TGFBI was George Kirby. And oh, what I, I what him. I um established after 2020 was okay, who are the ones in 2021 who I feel are immune to what we expect to be the a depression of innings, right? In 2021, because no one was, you know, it was only 60 games and who can't have that workload again, who I think is immune to it. 
And those two guys were Zach Wheeler and Alcantara. And I leaned on those saying like they could not only do the innings, but they can also have strikeout rates above 25% in that time. And all of a sudden that's just immensely valuable. I'm targeting them every year. And then I kind of realized that that strategy doesn't just like uh, only for 2021. Uh, Alc Manoa was someone like that last year. And if you targeted him for that, there you go. Um, and trying to think of for this year, George Kirby is the first one that jumps off the page to me. Uh, as someone who's not a de facto ace yet, he's outside of what I call the aces of dubs. But George Kirby has a fastball that had a 19% swing strike rate against right-handers last year. I mean, that's just what? That's so good. Um, and then he has obviously great control. Sometimes he made too many easy pitches with his curveball and his slider. Um, I think there are adjustments to be made, though, with those two. And I think that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in the second year of development to improve on the curveball and slider. It's why I'm in on him and not Gilbert, because Gilbert already had that year mm-hmm. and didn't make any improvements. And I'm more skeptical that he can this year, while Kirby at least has the mystery box of maybe he could, right? But it's a winning ball club. It's a good situation um, in Seattle. He'll go every five days. They'll let him go six innings all the time. And I'm I'm a huge fan of that. So there are my guys, I guess, that I'm going to be targeting a lot. George Kirby, it was a tie between picking like two of my favorite sons between George Kirby and Tristan McKenzie. No, uh, not that one, though. Well, I'll, I'll have to explain McKenzie in a second. Yeah, um, but George Kirby, <laughs> I like as well. Um, he uh, from July on last year, 292 ERA. The Mariners won 11 of his final 15 starts. And of the 121 pitchers who threw more than 604 seam fastballs, talking about again, like you're talking about how well his fastball played last year, he actually had the third best run value on his fast or third lowest run value on his fastball behind only Nestor Cortez, Luis Castillo. And one of the reasons I was also intrigued is people were talking about, you know, he's barely averaging a strikeout per nine and he's working on a changeup this offseason. I know his slider, he's trying to, you know, fine tune it a little bit. I, there was a great article, uh, from lookoutlanding.com talking about George Kirby working on, I believe it was uh, the changeup or the two seam, the two seamer and slider combo. And he played around with this combo pre all-star break had a 378 FIP post all-star break 302 FIP K minus walk percentage, 19.3 pre all-star break 21.6 post all-star break X Woba also went down uh, an extreme amount for batters. It was something he actually was really tankering and working on. It's, it's a great. There's so much great information on it. I won't like quote all everything from it, but uh, it was just you can really see the difference in a pitcher he became when he started adopting this approach here, and uh, that's why I like him a lot. Tristan McKenzie, though, Nick, this is going to be interesting <laughs> because I know. So how? So Tristan McKenzie, right now, mm-hmm. he is going, I believe, as like too high. Twenty SP twelve at two. Well, um. Choking on my words here. Oh, wait, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> you have. I'm looking at your list just so I can get the right reference here. SP40. Yeah. SP40. I told you I didn't like him. <laughs> it sounds like sunscreen. SP40. That's great. Oh, I. Uh, you know uh, our our PL projections, which is ATC merged with PLV essentially. I uh, 401 ERA, 120 WHIP for Tristan McKenzie. So I mean I I, I always respect the projections. <laughs> I, I, I will say though, what a kind statement. <laughs> so let me let's start with this. 
So over his last 71.1 innings last year, a 2.40 ERA. That's over 11 starts with 77 strikeouts. Oh, Fastball yeah. was an elite minus 17 run value. Great curveball. The whip is always fantastic. 0.95 whip last year. He's always just a guy that you can expect to hover around sub one whip from what he's shown in the past. Uh, he's improved every single year, just looking at his numbers year by year. McKenzie recorded at least 12 strikeouts in a game three times last season. No other pitcher had more than that. There were a couple pitchers that tied that, Otani, Rodon, Garrett Cole, and Strider. And he was one of only six to throw 14 strikeouts. So we know the strikeouts could be there. Uh, but there's a great article on Fangraphs that is talking about the basically the return of the strikeout stuff and talking about how he's adapted his approach over time as well and talking about how he stopped trying to just strike people out and he started throwing in the zone a lot more. And you can take a look at that when they he um I want to make sure I get the uh the artist the artist the uh, author Leo Morgan uh, Stern yeah puts a, a he puts a new the new approach little graph here from April to June last year his zone percentage was thirty two point five percent from July to October forty three point seven percent contact rate also went up seven percent but the strikeouts stayed about the same but he was also getting less walks the whip was going down. And he was facing less batters per game. Plate appearances were going down. The pitches per plate appearances, efficiency was going up. And then he was being able to strike people out at that similar rate because they knew he was going to throw the ball in the zone and they were swinging and missing when he would drop stuff off the table. I think McKenzie, and I follow him on Instagram too, and you can see the work he's putting in. Tristan McKenzie, I think, is definitely <laughs> also going to make a leap so, forward this year. So a few things there. One, uh, Leo is uh, does some operation stuff with us now. Um, yeah. He was a writer with us. I love Leo. I will always, always encourage reading his work. He's fantastic and just a great person. Um, two, I shared something. Uh, oh, let me, yeah, let me pull, pop it on screen. Push it, push it up here. So this is Tristan McKenzie's PLV last year. And it'll, it'll be hard to read one of these numbers because it's so blue. That is, it is league percentile, fifth percentile for PLV. And that's Tristan McKenzie's slider. It's a 4.68, which is the equivalent in ERA terms of a 4.35 ERA pitch. That's not good to throw 25% of the time. And that's a slider. Sliders are traditionally well above average, uh, where they are like 5.2, 5.3 PLV stuff, like sub three PLAs, right? And that's really bad. Essentially, he's super inconsistent with the sliders. Command is terrible. The four seamer is slightly above average, uh, above a five. Um, but it's something that gets thrown too much in the zone. This is why our PLV projections don't like McKenzie because he essentially gets away with stuff. The curveball, that despite having a swing striker above 20%, still has a really low PLV. Why is that? Because he bounces so many. He makes a lot of mistakes with it. And it's us saying, look, you used run value, which is saying this is what the results are. But that's mm -hmm. not a pitch quantifier. That's an event quantifier. That's a results quantifier. That isn't actually quantifying the pitch itself. And what PLV is doing is saying, look, regardless of the actual outcome of it, this is the qualities of it that should dictate it being good or bad. And McKenzie does not uh, have favorable PLV marks. Um, and it's something that it was so, I don't know, validating to see. Maybe a confirmation bias. But when I've been encountering Tristan McKenzie all of this past year and watching him and everything, it was just so tough to watch because I'm like, this should not be working. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted some validation for it. And all of a sudden, PLV spits that out. I'm like, thank you. 
Uh, I think it's a trap, honestly. I think the four-seamer needs to be a lot better as far as command goes. Oftentimes, actually, the reason that it's nice to uh, see guys that have more muscle on them as pitchers, at least in the lower half, is because it helps sustain their mechanics. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you're balancing on your leg and trying to do all these things, the stronger you are, the more consistent you are every single time you throw it. And what we see with Tristan McKenzie is that he's inconsistent with his pitches. And we're, even though it's in the zone, that's good control. Fine. It was better, but it wasn't actually good pitches inside the zone. I think Tristan McKenzie is going to get burned a lot this year. I'm not saying that he won't be good for your teams. He's still 40 for me. If you're number 40, that means you actually, I would like to have you on my roster. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick Lodolo is 41, you know, and I want to have Nick Lodolo on my roster, right? But Tristan McKenzie should not be inside the top 30 or so, in my view. I think there are a lot of other pitchers that are just going to be more solid and consistent for you this year that are more worth the draft pick. But that's just me, David. You were, I was the one sitting here last year being like, there's no way, no how Dylan Cease is worth your pick. And you were just shouting on top of the mountains, being like, I'm going to get Dylan Cease. He is my man. And I didn't get it right. You got it. Uh, and you were completely correct. So who knows? Oh, right now, what I'm saying is every once in a while. I'm not in. Oh, stop that. <laughs> um, but I, uh, but yeah, I, something needs to change with McKenzie. I watched them yesterday. And I was like, yep, this is the same old inconsistent McKenzie. So I'm not interested. That's fair. I mean, again, you had like you said you have him SP forty, so it's not like you're bashing him and saying he's not worth your pick. Like you said, he still definitely could be someone very useful for your fantasy teams this year. You just don't see that elite, elite type of leap from him this year, like you could right. see with George Kirby, like you were mentioning yeah. earlier. I'm really That's- sorry to do all of that. I put him in the bust article I put out yesterday. So. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, oh man! Elsie, uh, we haven't heard from you in a while. Let's let's talk about your favorite in this range. Who are you looking at? Zach Gallen is my favorite in this range. I think Zach Gallen. I mean, people, people talk about how great that stretch was where he went 40, 40 something innings without giving up an earned run. Um, I, I, I don't know the exact innings, however, but I took the full games where he didn't give up a run out of his season last year. His whip was still about 1.0. His ERA was only 3.28. If you took 40 innings of, of zero earned runs out of his season. He was still only uh, still a 3.28, still over a K per inning. And like I said, a whip of, of one. So he was impressive outside of that stretch as well. And uh, so, you know, even if his best stretch isn't quite 40 straight innings without giving up a run, you're still going to get a workhorse who's going to who, who went over 180 innings last season and is going to be 28 this year. There's no reason why he can't go. Again, on an Arizona team that is improving. So I think Gallon could improve his win total as well as give you the same great ratios, although probably not the same great ERA that he gave you last year. Oh, man. Yeah. All all of Gallon's pitches, save for his four-seamer, had a 5.2 PLV or higher. Oh, boy. It's so lovely. Way better than Tristan McKenzie. Way better! <laughs> well, I would never argue. Oh, wait. Actually, I did have that. I did have that. I did have that. <laughs> Rankings can always change. I mean... I had Zach Gallon as 23 and Nick has him as 19. Yeah, so like Gallon. we do have him in a similar range. Um, yep. I have nothing wrong to say about Gallon. That scoreless inning streak last year, obviously very impressive. Uh, looks like he's really found another gear, especially Brent Strom there. He's talked about how much that he's helped improve his game as the pitching coach there. Uh, what's his ceiling? What's Zach Gallon's ceiling? 
um, I think we saw it, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of tough because I don't know what changes for him. That's always a question I like asking. It's like, all right, how can this guy actually be better than he was? Mm-hmm. It's hard to think that the four-seamer is much better. Super high called strike rate last year, unless you all of a sudden think it can be a 13% swing strike rate pitch. I don't. Uh, maybe the cutter and slider become more whiff pitches than they have been in the past. I mean, the changeup in the curveball, their low locations are elite. And that's a huge, huge factor. He throws low fastballs and then those underneath it. And that works so well for him. So I don't think he can do it much better than he did last year. Yeah, I would say I, I feel you on that one because, again, the scoreless inning streak, just how dominant he was down the stretch, I can't see a a better scenario than that. But I think he still firmly has established himself you know, as one of the, the upper tier arms in the league and uh, someone that should firmly be a, a top 25 or so starting pitcher. Again, some people have him, I know, closer even to closer to the top 10. I've seen some rankings. So mm-hmm. um, Zach Gowan, definitely elite. Marty, you really like the guy that was kind of scared of the Babbitt boogie monster last year. His Babbitt was just awful. And everybody talks about the eventually that regression is going to come back in his favor. Is that a big reason why you like him for this year? Yeah. And this is actually the first uh, time I'm in uh, fully in on Kevin Gosman. So ADP 65.1. He's the 18th starting pitcher off the board. 2022, 174 innings, 205 Ks, a 3.34 X ERA. And my favorite part, he only walked 3.9% of batters. That's absolutely beautiful. Uh, ATC projections have him for 179 innings, so pretty much the same thing. thing a 3.41 ERA, 1.10 whip, and he's uh, um, uh, projected to eclipse the 200 strikeouts uh, with 201 Ks. Um, yeah, I mean, he's I, at this point, I mean, he's, he's, he's a proven ace for me. You know, I, I love the Blue Jays for wins. The Rogers Center is a middling park, you know, when it comes um, for as far as like a pitcher's park. So a lot of people still think of it as this big hitter's park. It's really not. Um, and most importantly, he has the fifth best strikeout minus uh, minus walk percentage at 24.4. So I'm just all in on him. I, I, I'm getting him like sometimes in the third third round. Getting the something third round. fun about Kevin Galsman. Hit me with it. We have our fun stat, which is called hit luck. Essentially, instead of normalizing BABIP to its own, you know, whatever the pitcher's context is, all hit luck is normalized to the pitcher itself. So based on the pitches you threw, you should have had zero hit luck. That is this amount of hits. Um, we believe that Kevin Gosman allowed 34 more hits than he did. Than he, he allowed 40 more hits than he should have. Last year, there you go, Nick. Good job. Uh, first percentile in that, so that's terrible. Ooh. Thirty-four more hits. If you remove that and actually put it into his whip, it turns into one hundred and four last year. That's nice, mm. Hachi Machi. That's a nice and, little nuggy stat. And that's the thing is that I've I've gone back and forth on Kevin Gosman because I want to say yeah, three sixty-four bad, but all right, that's like historically bad. It's gonna be obviously better in some fashion. I didn't realize it would be like this kind of thing. But the four-seamer deserved to get hit pretty hard. 37% hard contact against left-handers, 40% against right-handers. I mean, that's still not a good thing for Kevin Gosman. And so I was kind of out, like, dramatically so uh, on Gosman. And then you throw on the Rogers Center being really, really good for hitters. Uh, it looks like the defense for the Jays is not in his favor. Maybe it's a turf or so. I know Alec Manoa's on the other side of this, but I feel like Alec Manoa just got shift benefit a lot. 
So that makes me out. But then the hit luck thing is in and I can't make up my mind. So I just don't draft him. Well, Nick, That's let me ask you, you, do you still think as the, uh, of the Rogers center as uh, primarily a hitters park? Oh yeah. And even though with the, uh, the, the walls being higher, my understanding, everything I've read is like, no, that's going to favor hitters a lot more than pitchers. Park, uh, park factors from, um, what is this? Uh, baseball savant has it seven ranked 17th from last year, right? This is the, I think it's the rolling three years. Right, right. So they moved in the walls. Yeah. And yeah. That's true. Ra- and yeah, then they raised did. them. And everything I've read about that is oh, saying, I gotcha. oh boy, okay. this is helping. You're right about, yeah, the Rogers Center, not that favorable. It was more about the uh, uh, Buffalo. You think the additions are going to be that big? That yeah, big that's what I've been seeing. So okay. uh, that scares me. I, I See, this is just me like having anxiety and rolling in bed at night. <laughs> uh, it's it's bad. So I hope you're right about Gosman. That's a, and then again, it's a splitter, though. It's a splitter. All right. I can't I can't handle this. Someone else. It, about Gosman. <laughs> Well, I know, Marty, me and you are both on the fade side of another Toronto pitcher. But before we do that, Doc, let's talk about the last like in this range, Luis Castillo. We talked about him earlier. Nick loves him. He's awesome. Potential top 10 pitcher this year for a Seattle ball club that should be able to stack up a lot of wins. And he really turned a corner when he went over to the Mariners last season. He's my dark horse to win the AL Cy Young at plus yeah, 1700 on some sites. What are, what are the odds? Plus 1700 on some sites. Okay. So, I mean, he's going to have a full season out of Cincinnati, and he's a guy that even playing in Great American Small Park has been really good at limiting home runs per nine. Last year was .78 between both teams, but the year before that, 2021, was .91 in Cincinnati, and in the shortened season was .64. Even 2019, the happy fun ball was 1.04. So I'm really loving what I'm going to see with him in Seattle. The time that he was there, 4-2, and two, 3.17, innings pitched. Um, he's not coming into the season with an injury like he had last year. The Mariners actually held him out of the WBC to keep him healthy. And this is kind of what I like about it is Seattle signed him to a five-year extension worth a little over Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. What, the, the value? How good of it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And and this is this is the part of the contract I like is Seattle has protection. If he has an injury to his UCL between 2025 to 2027, meaning that they'd only have to pay him $5 million in 2028. If he has Tommy John surgery or an injury related to those pitching ligaments, which means it to me that they're going to have him pitch now that they're, Mm. they're kind of in a win now territory. They maybe won't monitor his innings. He's a guy that's thrown 190, 187 in two seasons, great fastball velo, 93rd percentile, and has a great changeup, and is playing on a team where he will likely get more wins than he's ever had before. He also changed his pitch mix. I know when he was with Cincinnati, he was known for throwing his changeup so highly. In 2021, uh, through that pitch, just thirty over 30% of the time, and he went heavy four-seam fastball approach when he was with Seattle. Yeah. So I changed a lot. Sorry. Sorry to no, interrupt good. you, David. That changeup was so bad yes, last year. Oh, man, I want to say yesterday, but like also <laughs> yesterday and all of last year. Uh, he's become more of a four-seamer slider guy. Exactly right. Uh, the slider is just really good, though. Uh, and, oh, man, Luis Castillo is so, so good. I, I, I wonder, though, how cold does it get in Seattle in, in April? Uh, that's always been the thing with him. What do you know? Last year, 
he avoided April because he was hurt. Yeah. Uh, in 2020, he avoided it because it was 2020. You know, um, it is kind of curious. It's always been the thing was that he performs better in the middle of the year and goes to Seattle in the middle of the year as well. You know, uh, so I don't want to overlook that and during the season. But still, I, I really dig Luis Castillo. Uh, I think I had him at 10 or 11. He might be nine now because he might be moving down Scherzer and DeGrom. So I'm very is much the reason in. you're moving down uh, Scherzer. Oh, yeah. I just think he's not sustainable for volume through the year. Uh, uh, he's getting older. His fastball velocity has declined a little bit for the past three years. Not dramatically, but it's gotten lower. And mm-hmm. does feel like more as a guy that is sure uh, the Scherzer is kind of Kershaw almost at this point. And we're hoping that's not the case. Um, also, I think his ratios from last year that are so good. Are not going to be that good of a Nick, two let two me ask one you a ERA and point nine one WHIP. So obviously, many of us didn't expect Justin Verlander to have the year that he had last year, correct? Uh, no, actually, I predicted a one eight ERA, so I was a little bit off. Of course, yeah, no way. <laughs> but Verlander did this at age thirty nine. I'd, I'd say Scherzer and Verlander. As I wait, wait, nope. do I say 30. Verlander weird? Verlander, <laughs> like it's like a fantasy novel. Do you, I, I, didn't, I totally missed that. Justin Verlander over here. I say Verlander weird. Verlander? Verlander. It's like, a, okay, you guys know the joke of, uh, oh, man, um, it's Dave Grohl doing SNL, SNL, and he has it with uh, Christopher Walkins. And he says, where is the, where's the emphasis on Foo Fighters? And he says, it's on the, on the Foo or the Fighters? Because it's on the Fighters. Because he thinks, so, what the what is this going to be? So Chris Wall walking goes, I goes, no, for fighters, you know, and it's like so wrong. <laughs> and it's like what you're doing with Verlander here. It's Verlander. No, it's Verlander. I don't can we just appreciate your, your can, we, can we appreciate your Christopher Walken? That was, a good Christopher that, Walken. Was, that, was, that was very good. All right. I need, I normally need to rev up the engine. So I didn't know if that was going to be. Okay. So that, so you went in there, cold engines. And it was, uh, <laughs> okay. So rather good. than saying his name, I'm going to say Kate Upton's boyfriend had a great husband. Season husband. husband. Get it. Yeah. It's like you can't. I, I... Doc, please. Titles mean a lot to Nick. Yeah, that's right. Just, just being right. <laughs> How about right, home? I had to say Ben Verlander's brother. Ah, well, no, because then I'd have to say yeah. the last name yeah. also. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> do I believe? Do I believe that Justin Verlander is going to replicate? Am I concerned about him as I am with Scherzer? Well, that, that's what I was saying. Scherzer's now 38, where JV did it. At Not age all age is the same. We get worried about uh, guys at 34 at times for being older, right? That's true. Justin Berlander just kind of proved that like, he's all good. Uh, he did over 175 innings. You know, he just did it. Uh, and Scherzer's had injury questions, and mm-hmm. he's showing signs of degradation. It just seems more worrisome to me. Fair. Marty, I want to go talk about the flip side of the coin yeah. here and talk about the players that we're looking to fade. And we talked about Toronto pitchers. We talked about Kevin Gosman. We talked about the park changing. And me and you both look at Alec Manoa and we said no thanks. So I'll let you go ahead and you can kick off why. And then if I might add something or two, but you go ahead. Well, first, I have to start off by saying Alec Manoa is one of my favorite players. In all That's why I was shocked when you yeah, put him as got that dog. He's got he, that he dog. He is one him. of my most, not only that, but just from like a, just from a, a dude perspective, like listen to a few interviews, whatever. Great, great yeah. guy. So it's nothing to do with that. Um, I just need more strikeouts out there. And you're just really relying on him to get the 190 innings so he can get you the 180 strikeouts, which is very possible. He's a beast. He's a dog. You know, he's the problem. But 
I don't know. Um, they got him for a 3.68 ERA. Does ATC projections over those 189 innings pitched? 1.14 WHIP. I mean, Nick just told us how bad Roger Center is going to be. So for pitchers, so that is that's another uh, feather in the cap against them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just his stuff's not as flashy. You know, like when you you look at it, it just doesn't hold up with the people that are around him as far as an upside with strikeouts. And that's the biggest thing I'm looking for. I don't want to have a, just an inning, innings eater at that point. So you, you also, had me until the flashy part. Sorry, David, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to add ERA 224 last year, but all the ERA metrics way higher, not just slightly higher. XERA 331, FIP 335, XFIP 397. They basically said it was hey, this was a lucky two two four ERA and it wasn't even close. So I I see all of that and, and that also scares me because again, like we were talking about with the park factor, it's another year of hitters potentially seeing him, especially if he's not going to change anything. We don't know if he, you know throwing a new pitch or you know in, you know adding below or anything like that. I just don't see anything where I think last year was like a best case scenario type of thing for him. Yeah, so um, I was just talking about Gosman and the conversation of hit luck. Negative 38 for Alec Manoa, and that's shocking. He allowed 38 fewer hits than he should have, uh, and that should have gone the other direction. And you see, like, oh, right, that Babbitt was, like, 245. Um, Okay, I get this. But the thing is, Alec Manoa, he is flashy, though. His four-seamer gets... Just like I was say, am I underrating his stuff? When I see his stuff metrics, it's just you know a little bit barely above average. It's just yeah, I, I understand he gets a lot Is of it the chain on the that's flashing seamer. you, Nick. I think the chain. <laughs> <getting you>. But <laughs> the like... slider, as if you watch that thing, it is filthy. Yeah. It is a filthy slider, and I actually do think that over time he can get more whiffs on that. He even talked last year, Manoa, about his sinker and he lost it for a good amount of time. He even said, yeah, I'm not doing as well right now. I'm not, I feel like I'm getting more lucky than I am actually being myself because my sinker isn't locking in at the moment. And I think that's a huge part of what he does is getting that sinker inside the right-handers big O swing on that when it works, but it leaked out over the plate a lot. PLV hates it because he threw so many inside the zone. They got away with It's why we call Adam Wainwright sinker. One of the worst pitches in baseball, surprisingly, Despite its high called strike rate, we think that it should be slapped around the field a lot more. And Manoa's was the same. And I think if he throws the same one again, he will. The biggest problem I have with Manoa, of my assessment, I should say, is I don't think what we see in 2023 will be the same thing we see in 2022 um, from what he does on the field. But I can't tell you how much better it is. And that's where I'm, I don't know what to do. Because, right, the Rogers Center, the, the Babips, all the stuff, our projections have like a 376 and a 117 whip and a 23% K rate. Like, I get that, but that's also projecting it from the last two years of Alec Manoa. And I think the slider gets better. I think the sinker is a better offering. And I think just overall, he utilizes what he has better. But then Roger Center. So I go back and forth on Manoa. I go back and forth on Gosman. I don't know what to do with these Jays. And I'm likely going to be lowering, lowering Manoa a little bit um, in my current one. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to overlook that there is a ceiling that we haven't seen from Manoa from a skills standpoint. We might not see that ERA again. Sure. 224 last year. But 23% K rate? No. I, I, if I had to wager today, I would say that he's going to have at least a 25% strike rate this year. Um, I, you, can, you can bank that one. 
All right. More strikeouts, whatever the prop is for Manoa this year. Go over. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you, Nick, in a vacuum, George Kirby or Alec Manoa? Well, Alec Manoa. I, I have that one set. That's fine. I like them both, but I think Manoa is a little bit more stable. He's already done 196 innings, too. So because I noticed you said you were going to lower Manoa. You have I'm keeping Kirby. He's still inside the aces of dubs. uh, Manoa is while Kirby's the first one out. Okay, so close, but you'll still have you'll take Manoa ahead. So, okay, yes. Uh, All right. And those are for those betters out there. Take the over on the Manoa strikeout props there. Whatever that is. I have no idea what they're doing, but yeah, it's going to be higher. Doc, let's go to you. Let's talk about your favorite or your, I'm sorry, your fade in this range. And it looks like that you, if I would read the, the comments, because you put them separate from everybody else, uh, you're fading Hunter Green, whose teammate we're going to talk mm. up in a second. Uh, I've heard many people on the Hunter Green fade train because straight line fastball doesn't play well, no matter how fast you throw, the potential arm injuries that can happen. You go ahead and you continue to make the argument. I mean, there is that point. There is the point that he is in his second year, and we don't know how many innings that he's going to throw. Once again, there's a variation on the projection zips at 128, ATC at 159, and the bat at 159. Um, I think zips is probably closer to what he'll throw. I don't think Cincinnati has incentive to have him go over 150 this season and not really contending for anything. Last year, 1.72 home runs per nine, playing in Great American Small Park. Um, command issues, 3.5 walks per nine. I look at that first half ERA at 5.78. I think he ended the season really well, which for recency bias is probably moving him within this range. But when you think about it too, especially in a Roto League, wins are going to be a problem. He's probably not going to get a lot of run support. And I like the skill set. I just can't take him. What is he, a pitcher? He's, I think, just outside the top 30. I think he's like at 30. He's at pitcher pitcher 29 right now over okay, the last uh, couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. He's going one spot after George Kirby. Okay. It's, 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 it's crazy to me for them to see in that same range. And, Nick, I can tell you just want to say something. <laughs> I was going to say real quick about Nick. Watching him is like – it's like watching those old, like, YouTube reaction videos from, like, 2012. <laughs> yes, like, he's that's losing That's all I do. Shit. My entire content is just reaction videos. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, you want to know something hilarious? What's that? Uh, we have Hunter Green, Spencer Strider, and Christian Javier with the same exact strikeout projection of 203. Interesting. I Hunter Green initially broke our projection system. <laughs> Hunter <laughs> like Green on uh, on DraftKings, his line is at one hundred ninety one point five. Mm. And I'm Alec Manoa's. I'm, I'm taking the over. Alec Manoa's is at one hundred eighty three point five. I'm taking the over. Um, they, the overs are favored on both of them slightly. Mm, interesting. So. Hunter Green, 326 ERA to us. Spencer Strider's 315. Whip, 109. Versus Strider's 108. Uh, innings, 161 to Green, 156 to Strider. But Strider's got two more wins. I just took Robbie Ray over Hunter Green in TGFBI just because I was behind in starting pitching. It was my SP2. Mm-hmm. And in 12-teamers, I actually want to take Hunter Green more as my SP3 in that situation. Um, but in TGFBI, I needed to take Robbie Ray because I believed more in the win in strikeout totals in the end. Uh, I just it felt safer for me to do 
Um, I think Hunter Green's four-seamer, especially when elevated, is one of the best pitches in baseball. And also his slider graded better than Spencer Strider's and Christian Javier's. Problem is that Javier and Strider play for the Astros and Atlanta, respectively. And Green is for the Reds. And it's so annoying. I don't think they're going to slow him down. Uh, this is I, I understand that your your point, Doc, like the Reds have no reason to push him. I uh, then why did Castillo throw as many innings as he did and Molly throw as many innings as they did? Because uh, they wanted they to trade gone. them. Well, then why wouldn't they want to trade Hunter Green then? I mean, it was when every contract. <laughs> every team still needs to get those innings and those aces are not going to stop pitching. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not going to interrupt their every five day cycle. They're just so, going to keep going. So let me ask you. Yeah, in 2020 or so 2018, 68.1 innings. Didn't pitch 2019 or 2020. 2021 through 106 innings, and last year 132. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to bump that up to 160 ish? Oh yeah, more. I mean, they're just not. Once you get to about 135, 140, then it's essentially just like, all right, just go pitch every five days. I uh, they may do something like at the very end where he's at like 165, 170, and they go, you know what? Don't pitch the last game of the season, you know, just take <laughs> it easy have a, or whatever. I will have a friendly bet with you that he mm-hmm. throws less than 150. Uh, fewer than 150? Sure. Fewer than 150. Let's go. Let's go, Doc. How about I mean, uh, I feel bad for you because that means you need to root for a pitcher to do poorly, and I'm sorry. <laughs> how about you that guys? That goes against bet. everything you believe in. How about, yeah, how about exactly. this? How about this bet? The loser has to do... 10 push-ups at any point next year at first pitch Arizona when the winner says you have to do them. Oh, the anytime, the anytime push-ups. push-ups. That's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with all that. Right. Let, me, let me at least get to this. <laughs> let, me get, let me get to the ATC and bat, bat lines of 150. Now, now you realize, Doc, you realize I will do it likely one of two scenarios. One, either when I'm doing the On the Corner podcast, I'll have like the mic in front of you as you exhale as you're going down. <laughs> Or two, if they are, if they, um, you know, are so kind to let me actually do it on the main stage at some point, have a panel, I'll be like during it. I'm like, Doc, by the way, uh, just on the side as I do this, can you please come up here? I'm just <laughs> thinking, what would Doc, be worse for you? Would I want you to do 10 separate push ups or would do, would you struggle with like seven or eight? Doc oh, is like in a row? No, I, Doc, I, well, Doc I is methodical. Funny, I was like, oh, thank gosh, I got through this. Okay, Doc is methodical, so he could do like you do two now, and he's gonna say like, oh, you do three here, and then you do like another two that, and just like. Before I agree to this, I I'm I want to do 159 because that's what two projections have. So we'll go with the projections over under. No, 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 no. 150. Yeah, you already said and already go back. Now you're having regrets. Yeah, you can't do that. Absolutely not. Moving the goal. I mean, I'll stick to the 150, but if he finishes with 158. Well, what, do you say, Eric, what do you say? So angry. What well, do you say? You. What do you say when someone backpedals? <laughs> you you know, they know that they're wrong. I guess already. I don't know. He does this like Are we factoring in to... injury too, right? Well, of course, that's with every one of this. That would be the worst. Okay, part all right. I'm not going to take. Right. Oh, if he gets hurt, then he's done. Like I'm not going to do that. Yeah, okay. all right. it's part this of the is... whole thing. All right, this I makes... have the time code. Doc and Nick. Bet for Hunter Green over under. Gosh, I have bet. Pitch. I have bets with so many people about various things. Wouldn't that just think now, you're wrong on now, all of them? 
Yeah, don't at me on Twitter. Be like, haha, Nick, he got injured. I'm like, how dare you celebrate this? <laughs> oh no, no, no. You, you don't you don't victory lab injuries. That's rule yeah, one over. Thank you. Um, I, I I will just say, Nick, I hope those push-ups are ready, but I'll I'll wait like two weeks after it happens. Yeah, I'll give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting too because Art was also fading Hunter Green, and I totally fr- dropped the so, ball. So now. why are you fading Hunter Green? All right. All right. It's the home run issues. <laughs> the home run issues are big big deal to yeah, me that makes sense yeah i think that uh i think that, am i delayed now i'm not even sure yep. <laughs> oh um, we love this we love this. i think that yeah, i think that uh i think that with him with the home run issues his era is going to be high oh man. yeah if he's uh if he's locating his fastball up as he did in the second half of last year really the last six games or something like that uh, i believe he didn't allow a single hit on an elevated fastball in those six games every one of his hits were low Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of insane. Um, so if he does that, then he should be good to go. Should absolutely dominate. Nick, was there an absolute fade for you in this range? Uh, everyone not named Hunter Green. No, um, I have to. I'm just kidding. I have to remember if there was. I mean, yeah, it was Tristan McKenzie. <laughs> oh no! I mean, that is like, like uh, that is the bust. I feel like we yeah. need a Tristan McKenzie bet here. Uh, didn't we have one? Did we not? No, we. I said we might need one. What do you? Like, wait, what do you? What do you got here? What do you want? Um, all right. So Tristan McKenzie. I feel like it has to be his like SP finish, because I have him uh-huh. as SP twenty, and you okay. have him as SP forty. I don't think he's going to be inside the SP SP thirty. So we should. Should we go over under thirty? Yeah, that sounds right. Thirty's a wash. That sounds lovely. All right, all right we'll do this the same bet ten. Uh, you might win that one just because of volume, but I'm like I don't want to go for that. I but can I say Kyle Wright? I don't know. He's outside of it, but yeah, go ahead. Good. Kyle Wright, man, he throws a curveball that is really good, and then nothing else. Um, and what is the big thing that we don't like about Kyle Wright from previous years was that his command was really bad. Then he mm-hmm. got his control better, but the command was still really bad. And so, what likely happens when you have bad command and really good control in a year? You have bad control the next year. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have more walks. You already had a 116 whip. His really nice beginning of the season, sure, Erie was still good, but it was like a 120 whip after that, and the mm-hmm. K rate fell to 22% range. I just don't want to do it. It seems very scary. Uh, he's going to turn into a cherry bomb almost, and that's no fun. He already got an injection in his shoulder too, didn't he? No, oh, is that right? Oh, boy. Yeah, he got yeah. a cortisone shot. It's no wonder. This is the funniest part. I, I was trying to figure this out. Because I couldn't, I could have sworn. When did he get that, by the way? Um, I was... think uh, earlier in February or end of January. Okay. His, his, that, his line so that for sounds right. is over under 13 and a half wins, which is crazy high. Yeah, we had 21 last year. Yeah, yeah but like you said, the numbers don't match up behind the wins. Yeah, absolutely look. not. But I, I could have sworn, like, everyone was so in. Kyle Wright, like, the 30th starting pitcher in, like, October or something along those lines. And then I blink and I see on this, he's 49. Obviously, there are closers in there. So maybe it's like 40. Yeah. But I go, wait, what happened? I thought I was the only. Wah! No, yes. you guys are not supposed to agree with me. I don't <laughs> no, want I haven't touched. That. I haven't touched Kyle Wright. Things? So that might be yeah, the only one we've all agreed way. on there. Um, but I, I am interested to get into this last range really quick. I don't want to hold you up all night, Nick. I want to. Oh, this, this is. But well, we always enjoy having you here. Um, but last range, let's do our favorite and our fade. We'll do both with each person. 
So Nick, I got I'm gonna kick it right back to you. Who is your favorite going in the 31 to 45 range? And then who is your fate in the 31 to 45 range? Oh man, isn't this okay? I, I'm so I'm trying to understand what that is because So uh, the I'm yeah. gonna give you the uh give me some names, please. Thank you. I pull up <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Little... There are three guys around there that I am going for a lot. Um, Nestor Cortez, despite the hamstring thing, his fastball grades really well with us. PLV is is great. Command has been really good. He's done it for a year and a half now. Essentially, mm-hmm. not just a year. He did the end of 2021. Year and a half now. Great situation with the Yankees, etc. Blake Snell is a PLV darling. I struggle with this. I did it purposely for TGFBI by saying, okay, look, I went and got George Kirby and I got Robbie Raymore of a foundation. Knowing that I'd be able to get one, most likely, of Hunter Green. Uh, Nestor Cortez, Blake Snell as my exciting one the next round. And I was able to get mm-hmm. Blake Snell. I was like, great. There was a guy who could have a 30 to 35% strikeout rate. I think there's one adjustment to be made left. He got rid of the changeup. Blake Snell, great job, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'm just so proud of you. If you look at his strikes and plots of his four-seamer, you'll see that he's missing arm side and up a ton. Up is fine. I'm fine with that. But he's kind of, it's a mental approach of where are you trying to locate? And if you're always missing the same way, if you just take the whole thing and you just shift it over, all of a sudden, Blake Snell becomes one of the better starters in the league. I'm not even kidding. Um, And I think that Blake Snell can make that adjustment, believe it or not. So I I love those aspects. Obviously, again, innings, health, all that stuff. But I think this is kind of the range where you're pushing away the absolute foundations and you're taking a chance the third the other one there also lance lynn of the same mentality of how many ings we're going to get but i really like the production but then the other guy i absolutely adore is joe ryan what's up buddy there you know i I talked about before guys that can go a lot of innings but also have another tier to hit you know the the price is him replicating his ability from the previous season Mm -hmm. and getting a lot of volume but there is also a chance of him exceeding that joe ryan i think can do that the four seamer um, was really good last year, increased his velocity by a tick. And he's been talking about adding a sweeper, a new slider um, to the mix. I'm really excited to see that. I think he can excel in a in an environment in Minnesota where that's a winning ball club. And I'm supposed to give a fade now too, or am we not up, there, up to that yet? No, you can give a fade too. The one thing I was going to say is um, with Blake Snell, do you feel like you've taken too many bites of the forbidden fruit? Because we've seen him like tease that there's that. I mean, we obviously he won a Cy Young. And then it just seems like there's flashes, but he hasn't been able to fully put it together mm-hmm. since. Are, are you worried that that could still show its face again this season and that it, it's hard to, to buy back into what we think Blake Snell could be in that sense? It sounds like you're saying based on how he's treated us before, we can't expect that to change now. Well, since it's been multi years now, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, sure. Um, I, what I say is this is the skill set that I saw last year from Blake Snell. And I've seen him change and be different things. And as of this point, regardless of how bitter it has made us feel in the past, mm-hmm. um, there's still so much more to like. He's improved. Um, 2021 versus 2022. 2022 was way better, in my view. Uh, and I think that things are getting better for him. So it's it's. I know I, we've been scorned by many, y'all. But then you would have <laughs> missed out on Carlos Rodon and Robbie Ray. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you, Marty, you're also Get a over it. Snell fan here. <laughs> yep. I've gotten Blake Snell a bunch. Uh, decreased his walk rate um, from 12.5 to 9.5, which is, uh, that's going to, I mean, that's that's a huge, 
huge. So you take that now. fastball and you move it over. Uh, 32 strikeout uh, 32% strikeout percentage last year which was in the 92nd percentile elite pitching park in San Diego and team context is pretty good for wins that's true the other thing too is uh Art you were a big Cortez fan so it's like Nick almost saw that you guys both those are two of your guys too and uh Martin Nestor Cortez Nestor Cortez actually got better in the second half than the first uh last season just showing that like he he wasn't going to fade. A lot of people predicted he was going to fade. He didn't. I'm getting him everywhere. He's putting up great statistics. And 2021, I remember the statistics was, if you took out wins, he was the number 33 overall pitcher in 2021, if you w- didn't count wins. So like Nick is saying, he's been doing it for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So I love Nestor. I'm getting him everywhere. And I'm fading uh, uh, Fab Freddy Peralta. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, fading. that's right. That's right, Art. That shoulder's <laughs> scary. Get it out of here. All right. I won't put a a dollar to win for uh, him to win Cy Young. Um, Doc, also, it's interesting because Nick picked one of your guys, too, and Lance Lynn, who is your favorite in this range. Nick hit the trifecta, all three guys that you guys are also in on. It's a fun range. I love this range. People forget he had a tear in his left knee before the season started, and that, that tear was something that was nagging him from the season beyond that. Um, and it showed in the first half of last year, 7.5 ERA, a 3.03 batting average against him. Had some rest during the All-Star break and uh, before that, 2.52 ERA with a 2.22 batting average. Still ended with a sub-4 ERA for the fourth straight season. Great command, 98th percentile on the walk percentage. And not including last year, but 2020, he's thrown at least 150 innings. So he's pretty durable. Mm-hmm. And then I'm fading Snell. The Cy Young year year is the anomaly. 180 innings that year. He's thrown 128 the last two seasons. No double-digit wins outside that Cy Young year, where his ERA, his expected ERA was over a full run higher than his actual ERA. Um, 522 ERA first half last year. Like David said, the flashers are there, but nah. Well, it'll be interesting to see with with Blake Snell. Uh, This This is it, Doc. I'm telling you. This is the Blake Snell year. This is it, Doc. This is the Blake Snell year? Yeah. All right. Well, we already have one. one I know. What do I know, though? Again. (laughs) (laughs) Marty, we talked about George Kirby a lot, and Nick touched on a little bit about Logan Gilbert uh, in terms of obviously not as high as he is with with, uh, George Kirby. Are you out on Logan Gilbert this year? Yeah, I mean, ADP has him at 116. Um, ATC projections have him at a 3.8 ERA, you know, 1.20 whip. It's just, just when I look at his stuff, I mean, there's nothing just sticks out. I mean, his mm-hmm. stuff's fine. His command's average. He's going to have to stay. He's going to have to get every single start to hit that 170 innings and 170 strikeouts. So if he stays perfectly healthy throughout the entire year, then you're going to get what you paid for. But if there's just one little one little nick, you know, he's it's not worth it. Hey, I'm a, I'm a tall Nick, um, but I one thing I will mention about uh, Logan Gilbert, I I remember, um, I think it was during was it Podpalooza or maybe it was actually during PitchCon. I think it was during PitchCon because I had to throw myself on a panel with Dino Saris. It's like I can do this. <laughs> All right, this is great. I I um I got into a discussion with him about Logan Gilbert versus George Kirby, and he likes Logan Gilbert's four seamer more. I like George Kirby's more. But when Nino says that, you listen. And I can't help but wonder. I mean, it, it, this is the, 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 the I don't, I don't want to say it's a 
battle against it. But it's, it's a, I think, a very important part about the discussion of projections where they're just taking essentially the stuff that has already happened. And I think the most fun thing that I do is I say, all right, this is what they have done. And for some cases, like what they've done is what we expect them to continue doing. Mm-hmm. And what makes it such a fun game for us as analysts is we get to pick apart who we think is doing exactly what they should do or if they're doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And so when it comes to next year, Logan Gilbert, I mean, this is going to be his third season. Uh, there is so much like, what is next? I don't know. You know, what's going to come for Logan Gilbert? And, you know, you see this splitter that all of a sudden he has. And I've heard really good things about that splitter, right? Um, it's possible that Logan Gilbert, with a really good foundation of throwing a ton of innings, again, Mariners and all that stuff, too. Uh, very beneficial for him. With a fastball that hasn't performed as well as we think it should because he hasn't had really good secondaries to pair it with. I uh, If he gets the secondaries, how much does that vault him, right? I have Logan Gilbert lower than George Kirby because I think there's a higher chance of George Kirby unlocking more from the secondaries and Gilbert hasn't done it yet. But it is, I don't know, it's so hard for me to to give you a good answer about what to expect from Logan Gilbert because it is open the idea that there's more to come uh, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, And the one appealing thing is that it shouldn't go too far down, right? It's not going to get that much worse for Logan Gilbert. I mean, he already has like two seasons of just a better than a 120 whip, right? Um, a better than four ERA. So in that case, like there's a case to put Logan Gilbert above Blake Snell and Lance Lynn and Hunter Green and all of these who are not nearly expected to have as many innings as mm-hmm. Logan Gilbert. And as I was talking about before, the guys with innings who also ha- could have another gear. So I, I go back and forth on it. Um, you could be so right, Marty, but like, yeah, Nick, it's, he didn't add anything new and he's just exactly what the projection said. Cause he's exactly the same. I'm like, yep, that, that tracks. Um, I'm just so curious to what we get. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I want to close out this discussion tonight with one last pitcher and Nick Lodolo, who was my favorite, favorite pitcher to break out this year. I like Tristan McKenzie. I like George Kirby. These are like my three favorite ones going into the year, but Nick Lodolo is definitely my number one. Mm. I, I really think the, the step to being elite is coming this year. 20 starting pitchers were projected to have 200 or more strikeouts in 2023, according to Steamer. And uh, he was, uh, this was a, uh, as of a couple of months ago, but he was one of two that was going outside the top. Well, actually, they both still are. One of the two uh, going outside the top 100 on ADP, according to the NFBC. 131 strikeouts and 131.1 innings pitched last year, a 349 XFIP, 29.7% strikeout rate. His 11.41 K per nine ranked eighth among all pitchers in baseball with at least 100 innings pitched. I'm not going to go into all the notes I have about it, but basically uh, he really worked on his curveball and he added more horizontal movement on it. It lost some velocity, but it helped decrease deception on it. And he really looked like he was a different pitcher. Uh, once that happened down the stretch and I'm not alone in this. There's a lot of other people I talk about Nick Lodolos as well, Uh, but he's got the stuff. He doesn't throw as hard as Hunter green, but he has a bigger repertoire that he's working with. And uh, (laughs) did I say that right? Right. Uh, Don't listen to me when I try to speak words, but yes, but anyway, um, he is somebody I think is really in line for a breakout this year. I, I know, uh, you know, 
Could the ground ball rate be a little bit better? For sure. It's definitely better than Hunter Green's. Uh, and I think, again, I don't need to go. I won't go into all the notes I have, but just Nick Lodolo, I, I think, is primed to be a breakout this year. Man, I mean, 48% ground ball rate. What do you want more? Like, that, that's fine. I, yeah, I guess I, I'm underselling it. Yeah, it's not, that's not bad. That's fine. And, uh, oh, man. So I guess my biggest question for you about Nick Lodolo, um, what do you think that he does that I mean, sure. Um, the final 77 innings in Nick Lodolo's 2022 were phenomenal. Two six two nine two ERA, 106 whip, 30% K rate, 9% walk rate. Do you think that that's just kind of who Lodolo is? Do you think uh, this year when you talk about a breakout, is there something different to what he's doing that would outline that breakout? Well, down the stretch last year, which is, I think, again, coinciding with the breakout that I think he'll have this year. Um, he also, they talked about that he was working in his sinker and that uh-huh. he was throwing earlier in counts and well and putting them in better places. So that way he was setting up uh, his curveball and his four-seam fastball with two strikes. And that was something yeah. he kind of worked as a different approach down the stretch. And that was obviously setting up for more success. Uh, he was using his fastballs up in the zone and then obviously while placing his sinker as well. Uh, just... Again, and you look at the numbers as it was coinciding down the year because over his last 88.2 innings, a 3-3-5 ERA, um, I think people look at his season-long numbers, they look at the back injury he had, and they won't see that part of the season where he was making those tangible changes that I think he's going to carry into him this year to Man. have a whole season of that. It would be so nice to have an elite pitcher named Nick. Oh, I've been <laughs> waiting all my life for this. Uh, but... Uh, I hope you're right. Um, in my view, for Lodolo, the changeup needs to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did try to do that four-seamer up and in a decent amount last year, and it kind of worked. It kind of didn't. There's also a lot of disagreement about like how many four-seamers and sinkers he threw. And mm-hmm. we were like, pitcher lists is right, and then it's wrong, and then it's right. Like It's, it's a, a hilarious thing. <laughs> um, but I think their overall needs to be better command. Um, mm-hmm. Lodolo throws a lower arm angle. <clears throat> excuse me, um, that is a slinger type, kind of like Manaya does, uh, Andrew Heaney, that kind of thing. And that generally means that you're going to miss a lot in the middle of the zone more so than other guys. And we see that in his sinker last year, like a lot of the plate, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the changeup did not do enough, in my view, and that led to that 9% walk rate. Uh, so if the, if something does get changed, like for example, I was really be- low on C's last year, but I didn't expect him all of a sudden throw forty five percent sliders. Like, oh okay, that might that that's a good thing, and I should have seen that possibility. Um, I don't think that Lodolo can be like a 40 percent curveball guy though. So uh, I hope it gets better. You never really know. Command numbers the first year are always a little bit wonky because guys mm-hmm. are uh, coming up for the first time and it's all different. And I would love it. I remember actually like in August of last year, this is what I do. I'm so bad at this. I'm like in the SB roundup and I go, oh man, Nick Lodolo, guys, I'm going to be so in Nick Lodolo. Like, you know, I'll have him as my, in like the, my 50s or something in my ranks and I'll be getting him in every league. And you get to draft time. I'm seeing him go like 35th. I'm like, I am. Everybody is in though. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. So Reed Detmers, that's the guy. Everybody's live. See first. people talking him up. Reed Detmers, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Reed Detmers, Everybody. he's going to be, I'm he's sure, mentioned one. in our next episode. Forget it's... everything else I said. It's Reed Detmers. Reed Detmers. Yeah, the, 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 the hour thirty we had, just wipe it all away. Reed Forget Detmers. it. Reed Detmers. Like everything you know about mattresses, 
Forget this podcast. Everything you know, it's just Reed Detmers. <laughs> well, I'll be interested because we have Michael Simeone coming on next week. So I'll, I'll be interested if he if he picks Reed Detmers. And if he doesn't, I'm going to tell him that Can Uncle I... Nick is going to come and uh, be very <laughs> upset. Wow, I'm his uncle. Jesus. Uh, I... Well, actually, you guys are probably like the same age. Can you do I... me a favor? Yeah. Can Can you try to sneak in Reed Detmers once every 10 minutes? Of the next podcast, let's see. I think we can do that. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Just say Reed Detmers at least once. You know, maybe like Reed Detmers or something. But anyway, uh, Reed, I, Reed so, Detmers, Lucas Giolito, we'll get him in the next episode too. Uh, like, so I know we are at the hour thirty mark right now. Um, I prepared a game if you guys want oh, yeah. to, to finish, to finish it in. out for five minutes. Nick is in. Why else? Why else do we do I, this? You know, I it. figured it's the triple play staple. <laughs> Let's do um, it. Let's go. I'm ready to lose. I, I don't know which game uh, you played with us, Nick. We haven't done this in a while. So I'm going to give you a player, and I'm going to uh-huh. give you all the teams they played on, oh, and God. you have to give me the order in which they played. And you get a right point for each placement. Oh, a right boy. Point. Wow. So I have what about a left guys. point? Do I get any of those? <laughs> that's why i have you going first actually that's why i have you going it's, first it's because david said so i wasn't going to say anything yeah, but he, I mean, he whispered in he stood up on a silver platter doc i had to oh gosh i'm just embarrassing myself so yeah. no never nick uh you guys might need a pen and paper ready or like notepad on your phone or All something right. okay. i got my the honor system let's go yep. so nick the yeah. first guy we're starting or the the first guy is wow. Charlie Morton. So the okay. teams he's you can get a, a total of six points. Oh my the gosh. teams he's played for is Atlanta yeah. twice. Yeah. Philly, Houston, Tampa Bay, and Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, so he started with Atlanta. It went to Philly. I'm oh, sorry, to, sorry, to Pittsburgh. Then went to Philly. Um, then he went to uh which which was in between uh Houston then he went to Tampa Bay then he went to Atlanta okay Art you're next so we're all we're all doing the same one okay i was ready yeah. oh um <laughs> i i think i'm just going to can I do any better than that i think i'm going to just copy nick if that's if that's okay <laughs> that's <laughs> I think that's because I, I I wasn't sure where Pittsburgh gonna, if I was gonna change it I might go Pittsburgh then Atlanta for the first two then but, do that yeah that's what I'll do but I'm probably <laughs> wrong so you're switching oh, no. the first two yeah yeah okay David so give me the teams again because I did not write it down Atlanta twice Philly Houston Tampa Bay and Pitt Houston Tampa Bay. Marty, do you already have them written down? Yeah, I can do can, mine. Yeah, why don't you? you I'll put it in order. Uh, and I and I have absolutely no idea. So I'm gonna do Pitt, Philly, Tampa Bay, Houston, Braves. Wait, wait, no, no, and slow down a little bit. It doesn't Pitt. matter. He didn't get it right. So <laughs> <laughs> Pitt, Philly, Tampa Bay, Houston, Braves. That's five. But it, it, there's Atlanta twice, Marty. It was Atlanta oh. and then Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what. <laughs> no, Atlanta to begin his career. Okay, gotcha. No, and I know. David. I know Tampa Bay was actually it was Tampa Bay then the Braves. Switch my switch my Houston with Tampa. 
All right, then say it one more time. <laughs> All right. This is great. Atlanta, Pittsburgh. Great radio here. Philly. Houston, Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Oh, now you're just copying mine. Okay. Is that what? All right. Yeah, See, you literally right. copied Nick's. Right. I did not listen to what I didn't listen to what Nick's was, so I just put him in the order I think it is. I haven't listened mm. to a word Nick said this whole time. <laughs> what? Did, did you say something, Marty? <laughs> Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Philly, Houston, Tampa Bay, Atlanta. So Nick's. Is that what he said too? Yeah. Well, it's because it's the correct answer. It is the correct answer. Yeah, I was like, okay. And I tricked switching the first two. I tricked Cheesecake. That's my I, I did that. <laughs> All right. The I, had the, I had the courage to have my own opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, Elsie, like I'm going right first to you for this next guy. It's gonna be Lance Lynn. You okay. can get a total of five points. The teams he's played for. Texas, St. Louis, White Sox, Yankees, and Twins. I have one more guy, and then I have a tiebreaker. Okay. And the tiebreaker um, is so obscure, there's no way your guys are going to get it right. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to – I think it's – um, St. Louis, Minnesota, Yankees, Rangers, White Sox. Oh, and say it one more time. Uh, Cardinals, Twins, Yankees, Rangers, then White Sox. Okay, David. Put that as my order too, if you want. Yeah, that's mine. Uh, I'm going. I had Do you it. Okay. want the right one, David? <laughs> no, I. You know what? I'm gonna be like, dang, David, you're the only one who got it right here. That's what we're gonna hear in a second. Mm. Yankees, <laughs> Yankees, St. Louis, <laughs> Texas, Twins, White Sox. Dang, dang David, David you're, the, you're the only one that didn't get it right. <laughs> yeah, dang, David, with the Vans. Oh. Lynn was just on the Rangers. You know this. I, and there's no way he started with the Yankees. Yeah, David, you only He's a got Cardinal the most boy. recent team. I only got what? You only got the most recent team. He was trading the Dane Dunning deal from the Rangers to the White Sox. I couldn't remember if it was the Twins or the, the Rangers, the last right, team so, he was on before the White Sox. So going into the final one before the tiebreaker, Nick and Marty are both tied at 11. Art has nine and David has seven. So still anyone's game. Uh, seven uh, is the lucky number. So David, we're starting Who's with you winner? for this one. Nelson okay. Cruz. Oh God. Oh, you can wow. get you can get a total of eight points. Oh my gosh. Let me know when you're ready. Okay, give me the teams. Wait, wait, don't give actually any of the teams. <laughs> try, try to have to guess all the teams. <laughs> no, go oh, ahead. Lord. The Nats, the O's, Mariners, oh, wait, Padres, because I'm O's. counting the Padres. Mariners. Padres. Padres. The Brewers, Brewers, the Rangers, Rangers, Twins, and mm-hmm. Rays. Oh, oh man, oh, this boy. is okay. Wow, this is yeah, a yeah. We started easy. We got no. I should have started with Lynn actually, but okay. Can you, can you go through them one more time? Yep. Nats, O's, Mariners, 
Padres, Brewers, Rangers, Twins, Rays. Oh, okay. David, let's hear you. And and please go slow because remember this is eight teams. Okay. Um the I'm gonna go Rangers first, then the Brewers, then the Orioles, then the Rays, then the Twins, then the Nats, then the Mariners, and then the Padres. Okay. Marty? I had no idea he ever played on Milwaukee. So I'm not even going to do that <laughs> in my answer. Like, I have, I did not know that. Uh, Rangers, Baltimore, uh, Seattle, Minnesota, Padres, Tampa Bay, and Washington. Wait, can you say that one more time? Sure. Um, Texas, Baltimore, Seattle, Minnesota, San Diego, Tampa Bay, Washington. You said seven. I think there was eight. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe he was on the Brewers. Yeah, he's getting rid of the Brewers. I just, I, just, I, just, I just don't believe it, and I don't want the point, even if I don't know when. It would probably be before Texas, because I didn't even know. He probably maybe was traded. Okay, before Texas, but the Brewers, I guess. Okay, then can you say it one more time? You are so difficult at this game. Put the Brewers in front of Texas. <laughs> Put the Brewers, so Brewers in the front. Texas, Baltimore, Seattle, Minnesota, San Diego, Tampa Bay, Washington. Don't give us eight choices and then complain that it's confusing. Just stick to your list. <laughs> you need to listen. To okay. <laughs> Gosh, I'm rooting for you to lose now, Marty. Nick, go ahead. I'm rooting for you now. Uh, go to go to cheesecake first. Okay. Um, Brewers, Rangers, Orioles, Mariners, Twins, Rays, Nats, Padres. Okay. And then Nick. See, that thing is, I, I've been wrestling with this. Did he get signed by the Brewers and then traded to the Rangers? Because I know he came up with the Rangers. Um, and I remember, like, in 2012, one of the best trades ever made was in my Keeper League to get Nelson Cruz. Um, but, uh, but is. Driving me nuts. And then was the Orioles before or after the Mariners? And I want it to be tricky, before. Tricky. So I'm just all right. I'm just gonna go with my gut. Whatever it was, it was Texas Orioles, Mariners, Milwaukee, just showing up for a second. Wait, wait. Uh, the te- you said Texas <laughs> first. Texas Orioles, Mariners, Brewers, Twins, Rays, Nationals. Guys, he's on the Padres now. Yeah. Well, yeah, not no, everyone I, said, everybody, yeah. Everybody got that Oops. besides Marty. Oops. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Marty. Um, well, so that's what I got. Well, I said yeah. Washington. Let, Just, let me ask you, because there, yeah. there was no way David was going to win. It was between Nick, Art, and Marty. Who do you guys think won? Not me. Did I get all of them right, though? Nick. No. No, David, you got three. I'm guessing Nick did. That'd be my guess. Art, you won! Perfect to get in the game! All eight. What? Wait, you got all eight to end the game? And wow. Art's on lag. The delayed, the delayed what celebration. Was it? What was it? And and Marty, the reason I asked is because when you said Brewers and you're like, I'm not counting them, that changed your answer from one to five. 
So the answer was Brewers, Rangers, Orioles, Mariners, Twins, Tampa, Nats, Padres. Yeah, I had it. I should have just started with the Brewers. If oh my gosh, Jeez. Nelson Cruz comes back to bite us. Oh my gosh, oh, LC yeah. with a perfect score to end it. Wow, that's the way to end the game. Holy Unreal. moly! Congrats, oh, that's beautiful. Art. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Nick, that was a blast. That was a lot of pitching. Some games played. So many jokes. I lost count. Uh, ton of fun with you, man. Please. Plug all the great work you do over at Pitcher List. Please plug PL Pro because I've got a firsthand look at it. It's awesome. Plug everything. Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't reviewed it, what are you doing? Go re- <laughs> re- rate and review on iTunes wherever you listen to the True Play podcast. These guys work their butts off for this uh, and they deserve your five-star review. Uh, but yeah, go check out PL Pro. Um, we have our... Uh, live draft assistant tool, which is really helpful. Um, we have our projections that are infused with ATC and PLV, our uh, pitching quantifying metric, which is unique to everything. And then also our DFS projections that are coming out that are going to utilize said pitch quantifier to make you a differentiator for your league. So go check it out at the site. We have everything and stuff. It's cool. Just come hang out. Uh, and yeah, have you left that review yet? Why not go back and do that? <laughs> Nick, I've already said it a billion times, I know, but for those, again, Nick is the hardest working guy in the industry. Mm. The amount of stuff that he's doing over Pitcher List, the articles that go out, if you just read one edition of the list, you see the amount of work he does, just writing those articles, managing the staff that he has over there. Obviously, you can see the website and every single detail that they have over there. It is the standard for independent, uh, doing any type of independent stuff in the baseball industry. And... You learn a lot just going over there, looking at all the stuff. They have a bunch of free stuff. They have a bunch of free podcasts you can listen to. They have everything. So make sure you guys take anything. Go check out Pitcher List and all the great stuff that they do over there. It'll make you a better fantasy baseball player. And it's just overall great time. So make sure you check that stuff out. For Nick, for a little cheesecake, for Marty Party, for Doc, I'm D-Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. We'll catch you guys next week.